We talk about the new Honda Civic and the Lexus RX. We also look at 2015 results for owner satisfaction next on Talking Cars. Hi everybody, welcome to Talking Cars with Consumer Reports. I'm Tom Mutchler. I'm Gabe Shenhar. And I'm Jake Fisher. Recently we've been getting a lot of messages that sound like this one. What are your thoughts on the 2016 Civic? It seems like Honda's done a Hail Mary on the car to bring it back to respectability, and other publications are already calling it a winner. As an unfortunate former owner of a 2012 Civic, I want to know what are your first thoughts on the new 2016, and which versions would you most likely test? Well, one version is parked right behind us, isn't it, Gabe? Uh, he's absolutely right. Uh, Honda is uh, give a, giving us a big apology for the previous uh, <laughs> generation here with this uh, much more stylish, much more substantial Civic. And um, yeah, here we have the LX, which is, uh, accounts for a lot of uh, the sales, but we're also gonna uh, buy the EXT with the uh, 1.5 liter turbo engine. Yeah, because it's Honda's first turbocharged engine. Acura did have a turbo in the RDX, but this is the first one sold here branded as a Honda. Right. So that small displacement 1.5 liter turbo is kind of an, going to be an interesting engine. Absolutely. Your thoughts, Jake? Well, look, I mean, if you look back at many of the previous generations of Civic and you go side by side, it's kind of like, what was the redesign? You know, I mean, it's mm. like they kind of inched along. There really wasn't a whole lot of changes. I mean, there was styling changes, but, you know, every two or three years they made styling changes too. Sure. This was a real big departure. I mean, this mm. car drives differently. This It looks very different and it's a very different platform. And, and again, engines, I mean, really a big departure. And when you look actually a lot of, lot of Japanese cars, it's kind of hard to find the real redesign, right? And we call them a redesign when the, the five years comes up or whatever, mm -hmm. but, but really there's all so much carryover. So this is, this is a big moment. Right, and I mean, you know, uh, John, our reader mentioned this, you mentioned this, it does feel like Honda is atoning for previous sins. I mean, that 2012 to 2015 generation was a sad and pathetic car. It was. I mean, they made, I mean, the 12 was just really, it wasn't that horrible. It I mean, was okay, pretty I, bad. I mean, look, I mean, it, it was, was pretty bad. It, 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 it wasn't very competitive with the set. It felt cheap. It, so it did. And, but, despite, <laughs> but despite that, it was amazing. It sold like what? Like 300,000 a year? Well, I mean, they it was put, one they of the, put money on the hood. One of the well, and that's a rare contracts. thing for Honda. But I mean, yeah. no, it, it wasn't great, but um, there certainly were a whole lot better, better vehicles, yeah. No, this, this car is, it's like night and day. I mean, it feels like a substantial and sure. a fairly premium car. No, it's definitely, it's gonna be fully competitive in the class. I mean, of course, it's jumping into the class when uh, you have a brand new uh, Elantra and uh, Chevy Cruze coming as well. So uh, it'll be interesting in that segment. I mean, that's the thing about this class is that it used to be, well, okay, you know, it, it, it's compact cars. It's, you don't have money for something bigger or it's your first car or, you know, it used to be sort of penalty boxes, sort of making apologies for this segment. But these, some of these cars are becoming extremely substantial and, and impressive cars. It used to be the only car in that class that was like that was the Golf. Well, because it's a world car, you know, I mean, what happened is we kind of, the American vehicles in that segment that we have in our domestic market have become world cars. Mm -hmm. it, I mean, the rest of the world, a vehicle in that size is it's a, a family, family car. car. It's a yeah. family car, exactly. Mm -hmm. In this market, it's been the Cavalier, the Cobalt. It's something that they try to sell it for 16 grand, you know? And for 15 years without <laughs> updating it. Yeah. Right, 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 you know, you lose money in every one, you make it up in volume, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, <laughs> it never worked. 
and there was a conscious change where they kind of departed from this like bargain basement, just put out a bunch of junk to something that was, you know, okay, it's okay to sell a Dart or a Cruise or a Focus at $22,000 with decent content. Mm -hmm. Another development is that uh, you never, traditionally, you never had the subcompacts in the U.S. market. Now you have uh, Honda right. Fit and you have sure. uh, right. right. Scion IA and a bunch of uh, sub-small cars that cost sixteen dollars <coughs> and $17,000, so that allowed for the compact class, which are now priced at twenty twenty one thousand, to, yeah. to uh, really uh, grow and, and get more mature. But I mean, that's one of the things I really notice when I'm sitting in this Civic driving it, that this feels like I'm driving an Accord, I mean, size-wise at least. It feels like I'm driving an Accord from 10 years ago. I mean, it is, the other side of the car is way over there. I mean, it feels big. There is a lot of rear seat room in this car. You know, these are spacious cars. And you have, you have the new Hyundai Elantra, which, you know, are, it feels like it's going to be a very premium car. Um, you have the new Chevy Cruze. You know, everyone is trying to trying to hit above the weight class here. Yeah, one thing that uh, strikes me as odd with this Civic, I mean, they made it lower. I mean, to begin with, the previous Civic was one of the lowest cars in the class, and at least around here, I mean, most of the people I see driving Civics are elderly people, and they need something that's more more handy to get in and out of. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, have, even I... Have, I, I have plenty of 20-something friends who drive Civics, I mean. I guess it's who you hang out yeah. with, Gabe. I'm yeah, I guess. So. Sorry, you're, sorry, you're running with the older <laughs> crowd. So sorry. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask a question. Is it that these cars are growing up, or is it they're just replacing the other vehicles? So is this a ten-year-old Accord? Is a Fit the old, you know, Civic DX hatch? You know, I mean, is it just ah. that they're replacing each other going up market? Um, it might it, be. It's a little of both, honestly. Yeah, right? it might be. No, I, I, that's, that's I mean, a new, a new cruise is basically an old Malibu, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I bet you, I mean, uh, you jump into this, uh, from this Civic back to a 10-year-old Accord, you're going to say the Civic's probably a better car. Sure. Overall, it may be. I mean, you yeah. certainly have, you know, more advanced safety. Um, Honda's getting better with road noise isolation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, Better. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying it's fixed yet. Yeah, no, way better. more uh, crash protection, more technology, more connectivity, all the things that people want now. Yeah, people expect it right. nowadays in a modern car. And, you know, the Civic looks to be extremely competitive. Right. I mean, I'm not thrilled that it has a CVT, but that's Honda. You know, that, that's where Honda went these days. So, um, I mean. And Honda is not alone. Um, no, Nissan. Certainly not. Toyota, to some extent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, again, it's, it's what Honda had to do, you know, because, you know, the Civic sells well, it, it had a good reputation, you know, they needed to make a big move and they did. A company that it sort of looks like they made a big move, but they really didn't is Lexus <laughs> when they redesigned the RX. Jake. It's sure. You know, it's really interesting. It's one of the early um, press that came out of this vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'm almost stealing your thunder because this, no, this is your diatribe. No, I mean, this it's is, my, this it's is, my rant. Yeah. It's, it's a bit brilliant. So what, what Lexus has done, and we've seen this not just on this car, but some other ones, they go out to the buff books and they go out in the press fleets and they put in these high performance versions of these Lexus cars. So it's the F Sport RX or it's the F Sport or the... The, the F Sport IS. Yeah. The IS, exactly. Mm -hmm. So everyone goes out and drives these cars. They're like, wow, what a huge departure that, you know, now they're finally getting sporty and it's the new X5. They're just like the Germans. That's <laughs> right. great. And they bring everyone out to a, to a, a racetrack and they're driving around these RXs like, I mean, 
our ex buyers aren't taking these at a race to Rex. No. And they drive them around. They're like, wow, it's sporty. And it, and then we get these same press vehicles early, and we, we pay for them, and we drive around. And we're kind of, you know, really? Really? They're really doing this with it? Because while they do <laughs> handle better, they... They don't have a lot of steering feel. They got good grip, but they ride really badly. Yeah, they're, they're pretty stiff. So when we actually bought our RXs and we got a hybrid and we got the normal um, 350, we were like, oh, no, they didn't. They just did it <laughs> the F Sport. And they sell like a handful of these F Sports. Everyone's buying these main ones and yep. they drive just like the old one. I mean, never fear. It drives, it's soft, mm -hmm. it's comfortable, it's quiet. It yep. does what made, put the RX on the map and why the RX is the best seller. So you have the review that's done by the, by the buff book based <laughs> right. on the pre-production early cars, which yes. were the F Sports. And you get all the, you get all the, the plaudits for it, it driving, you know, sporty and all that. Meanwhile, everyone who buys a normal one they get what they're expecting. They get what they've been yeah. expecting since the thing went on sale in 1999, basically. Right. They pander to the buff books, and uh, that kind of helps uh, give the car a certain aura out there in the in the public view. Right. Right. And then yeah, the, uh, the, the, the regular car is it's just like same as it's but, ever been. But it's yeah. brilliant because they didn't screw it up like <laughs> yeah. they did the Avalon. Right. The yeah. The Avalon. Right. They actually changed the car. That's right. <laughs> and then everyone buying Avalons. The, you know the Avalons that. They rode bad, mm -hmm. and you buy an Avalon because it's quite. Although to be fair, they now fixed it for yeah, the, right. The six, they finally they finally yeah, fixed it, but I mean, they were. I feel sorry for everyone who bought an Avalon in the oh, last from couple of years. From thirteen to fifteen, yeah, totally. It's, it's a pretty yeah. stiff riding car, right? Um, but the RX isn't. It's quiet. And it's quiet. It's it rides comfortably. The only thing is that uh, there's some disconnect be between the the way the car looks and the. the the way the car drives. Well, it looks I mean, it angry. Looks, <laughs> it looks <laughs> intimidating it looks, it looks and angry. Mean. I think it's going to eat the Civic, actually. It looks like it's growling at <laughs> it. They something. make plenty of Civics. We can <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole styling to me looks like, uh, it almost looks like you took a piece of paper, you wrinkled it, and you see what came out. Because all kinds of creases, all kinds of mm -hmm. lines that just don't trail <clears throat> into any coherent design here. Well, no. everyone wants to be seen as driving this sporty, edgy vehicle, but really a lot of people just want to drive something that's cushy quiet, and quiet and cushy and just effortless. And it is. And it, Well, there's one effort. No, there is a, there's, <laughs> there's a big effort. There's a big effort, yes. and it's the infotainment system. Yeah. And, oh boy. Yeah, the, the Lexus mouse controller is not getting better with Right, time. so they have this mouse controller where you move around and it, you, you like snap, snap it to the different things. And it snaps and you can mm -hmm. feel it. It started out not bad. And I know, well, I mean, not all of us totally agree on this, but I mean, originally it wasn't bad because you had like, you know, like four, it wasn't bad. You had no. four little chiclets, you know, mm -hmm. and you could, now they're just trying to put more and more stuff into it. And there's like, you know, 17 little chiclets. And no, the problem and is you when you're, try, you're trying to line things up within right. the right row of five while yes. you're driving the car. And every time you try to push down, it skitters off. And they put an inner yeah. key, which yep. only works half the time. And, and you push it down. But when you push it down, you wind up moving it to another chiclet. Right. And it's just. Yeah, it's easy to overshoot where yes. you want to be. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of eyes off the road and hand off the wheel. Otherwise, it's so effortless. Otherwise, mm -hmm. the car is just like yeah, so Yeah, because you still easy. have you still have a 3.5 liter V6. Works nice. Uh, it's got works nice. The hybrid is nice. You know, it's Very quiet. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just they messed up the controls, and it looks angry. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. You know, cars like that Lexus RX, they have a lot of satisfied owners. People tend to like big luxury SUVs. People tend to like Lexuses. We have a lot more information, though, about owner satisfaction. Mm -hmm. We have the results of our 2015 owner satisfaction survey. One of the interesting tidbits out of it are the most, or the, I'm sorry, the least satisfying cars by yeah. category. Yep. 
Uh, those are the Kia Rio, the Jeep Compass and Patriot, the Hyundai Veloster, the Nissan Quest, Mercedes-Benz CLA, the Nissan Altima, and the Nissan Frontier. Um, a lot of Nissans. There are quite a bit of Nissans. You know, I mean, owner satisfaction, so I mean, this isn't something that we're determining, right? This mm -hmm. is what we ask owners of these vehicles, and we ask them, if you have to do it all over again, would you do it again? Would right. you buy the same car again? Mm -hmm. And um, these vehicles that you mentioned, I mean, these are people, they were disappointed in their purchase, you mm -hmm. know? and it's Which is a shame, honestly. Which is kind of a high bar, because I mean, yeah. people put a lot of effort into researching these things, and I think what it is, it really comes down to the disconnect between what they thought they were gonna get and what they really get. And when you talk about the RX, you know, I mean, yeah, people like this because they know what they were getting. Mm -hmm. They wanna get something really comfortable and quiet, and boy, it really serves that up. Some of these vehicles, and, and Nissan is an interesting one because, I mean, we've been reporting for, for years about Nissan sliding in terms of performance and reliability. And <clears throat> to a lot of people, you know, Nissan is, it's another Honda and Toyota, you know, in terms of reliability. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, yeah. But it's not anymore. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, it used to be interchangeable. You're buying a Nissan, okay, so it's probably going to have the same reliability as a Toyota and a Honda. It's going to be bulletproof, right? Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, the last couple of years, uh, you know, ever since uh, Nissan's been on a, on a roll with introducing more and more models quicker, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we've seen that reliability of Nissan has declined. I mean, some of it is, uh, we talked about it on the reliability show, some of it was the introduction of a new family of CVTs, of continuously variable auto, uh, transmissions that just really didn't work out too well. I mean, also, you know, some of these cars were, you compare to the other, other cars in the class, and like an Altima feels kind of cheap, it feels kind of thin, it feels kind of decontented. I mean, there are a bunch of Nissans, not only these, but there's a bunch of other really low-rated Nissans for owner satisfaction. Infiniti Q50, the Juke, the Versa Note. I mean, there were, there's a well, lot of Nissans well, languishing like, I mean, at the bottom. I mean, the Q50 is, you know, again, going back to that expectation. Sure. So, I mean, the G37, G35, G37. That delivered exactly that what delivered. you promised. That was a very impressive vehicle. I mean, right. we, it, was, it was very highly rated from us. Um, we really enjoyed driving the car. It was very sporty. And then they went to the Q50, which is again this replacement, small, you know, BMW 3 Series fighter, and it just didn't deliver. Right. And when you go from, you redesign a vehicle, and it just doesn't live up to its last generation, you know, you're not you're not hitting expectations. Right. Because I mean, the Q50 is neither sporty, which Infiniti built a reputation for being sure. sporty, and it's not all that <clears> luxurious. But you know, another car in that same vein. Uh, and the infotainment system was is, is a disaster. It's a mess. Right. Yeah. Um, another car that, you know, from this list that sort of fits not meeting expectations is that Mercedes Benz CLA. Yeah. <clears throat> Completely. Yeah. I mean, right. that, uh, that whole class of uh, entry level luxury is, uh, shows up uh, very low, with the exception of the Audi A3. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think uh, people are going in, expecting a, sure. a luxury car in a smaller package. What can be better than that? Because uh, I don't need a whole lot of room and a huge car. And then they end up getting a car that uh, rides stiffly and is noisy, and uh, that's just a... It, it bears little relation yeah. to its siblings. Right. You know, I mean, I remember when mm. the first, what was it, the CLA first ad came out. It was a Super Bowl ad, and mm -hmm. the thing was like, Wow, for thirty thousand dollars, and it looks great. Yeah. It looks great. I mean, it looks like a you know an AMG version of the C Class or something. It looked it looked awesome. And then you get into it, and they don't advertise the fact that yeah, it's got nothing to do with the C Class. It's completely it's a front drive, mm -hmm. you know, economical platform that's just kind of guzzied up. Yep. And um, yeah, just really let people down from what they expected they were buying. 
You know, actually, it's something curious, and we've talked about this on earlier shows when people ask us to recommend a current luxury sports sedan. Is that it's hard? It's hard, <laughs> and we saw that in owner satisfaction. That as yeah. a class, cars that you <clears> think people would sure. reward themselves, you know, for a promotion at work or sure. you know, whatever the buying habits may be. Oh, hey, I finally have made it. I'm going to get a three series. I'm going to get a C class. I'm going to get a Lexus IS. And a lot of these satisfaction numbers are really kind of mediocre mm -hmm. for these cars. Yeah, um, well, with the 3 Series, you could say maybe that car doesn't uh, live up to the uh, previous generation of, of its own uh, <coughs> 3 Series. Um, but I don't know, you know, you can second guess the, the reader until you're blue in the face, but... Uh, well, I mean, we, we saw it in our test, yeah. you know, again, the yeah. Q50 wasn't <coughs> that great, the IS <coughs> isn't that great, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think a lot of these vehicles just don't live up to what they expect. I mean, the, the 3 Series, I mean, I, I think it's a nice car, car to drive. Mm -hmm. I really do like, I do enjoy the 3 Series. I like the C-Class, but the C-Class has not been very good in terms of reliability. But the BMW is holding its own, but again, if you had a 3 Series of the last generation or previous generation, doesn't quite have the sporty edge that they used to have. Right, I mean, also you can second guess this, right? <clears throat> Say maybe all these people want five series and E-classes and that would be their next car, you know? Well, again, it's, it, it is expectation. I mean, one interesting one, I mean, if you want to play second sure. guessing, yeah. I was surprised to see the Quest, mm. the Nissan Quest was actually lower in terms of satisfaction than the Chrysler. The town and country. The town and country. And Caravan. And I mean, the Quest isn't great, but it's like, is it really worse than those guys? But then again, it's expectation because the truth is, is that the as you sell these vehicles, I mean, we, Grand Caravans sell for very low price points. Right. They do. So, I mean, if I was spending, you know, I don't know the number, twenty-four grand, and I get this big van, I'm like, eh, pretty, you, you can do that. Yeah. That's value. Yeah, I mean, you could buy a Civic for twenty-four grand, right? Um, the Quests aren't. But you know, I think what happened is, price. I think the Quest. For, maybe there's a few buyers who look at it and like, I want that Japanese, you know, that, that Godzilla, <clears throat> GoBot style, <laughs> you know, crazy styling. Uh, but there's probably a bunch of people who wanted a, again, expectations. Wanted a Sienna or wanted an Odyssey. Right. They saw a right. Quest. The well, Quest. It. The Quest always has money on it. You know, there's always money. Right. There's always incentives. It may be more expensive than the Grand Caravan, but it, certainly it's a savings off of a Sienna so or an like, Odyssey. Oh, but it's not a Sienna or an no. Odyssey, and that's the disappointment. You find that out in the end. Yeah, like I guess I should have got the Odyssey or whatever it is. Right. Speaking of car buying advice, we have a question uh, that I really want to get to. It's from Mr. Sparkle, and I, I do love the Simpsons reference there. Uh, I need advice on what might be a good choice for my 82-year-old mother. She would like something relatively upright and easy to get in and out of. As a concerned son, I'd like her to have the latest active safety features, such as blind spot monitoring, forward collision warning, and autonomous braking. Also, parking has never been mom's strong suit, so parking aids would be very helpful. She prefers to keep the transaction price under $30,000. What would you buy, Mom? Well, it's a tough one, uh, but uh, well, Kia Solar, uh, but that stiff ride is you're not, not getting the uh, safety you know, stuff. You're not getting that. Uh, how about a Subaru Forester with the eyesight? Can you fit that under 30? Yep. Well, mm -hmm. there you go. But um, does it have any parking assist? No, parking assist is kind of hard. It's I mean, good visibility with the Forester. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Gabe beat me to it. I would say Forester. And in terms of the parking assist, yeah, okay, there's parking things, but if she's 82, she's probably going to have an easier time just looking out the windows and trying to figure out how to use these things. you got to hit the button, and then the steering wheel goes. I mean, I like using them. You know, like, the cheapest thing's probably an escape with that. Yeah, but that's not exactly the safest vehicle. I mean, it doesn't do well in the uh, mm. small overset, uh, offset crash test. It's also going to be over. It's going to be unreliable. It's unreliable, and it's going to be over 30 but, grand new. Well, like I said, it's, yeah, just... 
park, don't, don't parallel park and buy yourself a Forester. <laughs> but, but again, you know, the visibility of that Forester is, it stands out. Right. I mean, especially, especially the competition. No, it's very easy to place the corners of that car. Right. Access right. is terrific. You can get eyesight mm -hmm. from owner satisfaction. Yep. We know that owners of Subarus are thrilled with being able to get eyesight mm -hmm. for affordable prices. The only thing I would suggest is also look at an Outback because you can get blind spot monitoring on an Outback, you can't get it on a Forester. You lose some visibility though, but you gain in some quietness. Yeah, and it's, some it's got a bigger footprint. Yeah, yeah. And, and the owner satisfaction is good on the Forester. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> Subaru did well for owner satisfaction. Yep. So. Yeah. That's gonna wrap it up for this episode of Talking Cars. As always, we love hearing your comments, so feel free to send those in. Until next time, thanks.